And I'm reminded of William Carey when he went to um, India. He, India. He says, I'll go to the places where you would never go, but you need to hold the rope. And you've been faithful, and I appreciate so much Garden Chapel for the years, as Pastor said, years, that you've been faithful and given us the opportunity to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you have faithfully held the rope, and I want to thank you for that, and thank you for what, uh, and how God has led you and used you in that. Uh, just for those of you that may not know us, a um, little history lesson, uh, we started out as missionaries uh, 35 years ago up in Alaska and uh, flew uh, into logging camps, fishing villages, with a, uh, and started Bible studies in the logging camps, fishing villages throughout southwest Alaska. Um, and two of those uh, Bible studies, two of those uh, uh, turned into churches, and we ended up pastoring two churches, driving a plane to get to work. <clears throat> those two churches uh, took on our support, sent us out as missionaries. We went to the Amazon jungle in Brazil. And we arrived in the Amazon, went through language training, and began working, not only teaching in a seminary, actually I taught in two seminaries, and then flew all over the Amazon training pastors in little jungle villages that couldn't leave their um, little villages. And so it was kind of on-the-job training for pastors in their little villages throughout the, uh, throughout the Amazon jungle. So I've flown from one end to the other, top to bottom of the Amazon a uh, great opportunity uh, to see God at work. Uh, and then we also were involved in uh, establishing a church there. Uh, so church planting, following over the Amazon, training pastors, teaching in a seminary was what we did while we were there. Um, our family, in case you uh, don't remember them or haven't uh, seen them, Kara uh, is in Denver. Uh, she lives in Denver. Uh, her and her husband, Nick, um, uh, Nick is in IT computers. She is a consultant uh, with severe special needs kids. Uh, Joshua uh, lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, with his wife, Teresa, she is a, uh, a nurse practitioner. He is, a, uh, uh, is kind of still going into, uh, into school. He's doing his master's degree in, in business. And our Silas uh, grandson uh, is there at the, um, uh, with me. Um, as I mentioned, we've been involved in missions for a number of years, both on Alaska, down in the Amazon jungle, and then uh, the last 20 years, uh, we've been in administration, uh, mission administration, working in the office. And um, six, years, six years ago, eight, yeah, six years ago, we sold our house and all of our earthly possessions and moved into an RV. And uh, this is our home. Uh, we have no other home. Some people look at that and say, well, that's a, that's a fancy camper. No, it's not a camper. This is our home. Uh, we've lived in here for six years. Um, but it is with a purpose so that we can effectively coach the next generation of missionaries. And so as we travel, as we work with universities, as we work with uh, churches, um, it's so that we can be effective in, uh, uh, in equipping and moving the next generation of missionaries. And so this is our, uh, uh, the ministry that God has called us into now. And it's interesting because uh, after 35 years, um, not too long ago, we were given a, a globe big fancy globe sitting on a pedestal. It's too big to put in our house, so we leave it in the office in Colorado. But this big globe, and part of the presentation was you've touched the world through the people that you've sent, the people that you've trained and equipped and moved into different parts of the world. And we've had the privilege of moving people in. World Venture is some 700 missionaries in 70 different countries. Um, But we have had the privilege through training and equipping, moving people literally all over the world and I wish I had that globe here, I'd give it to you and say, 
thank you for your part in what God is doing around the globe, around the world. Uh, it's exciting to see how God has moved and how God has worked and what God has accomplished and the privilege that we have of being a part of that. I want to take you to, to, um, uh, to the Psalms, Psalm 67, and uh, ask you to turn to Psalm 67. Psalm 67 is a psalm of praise. As you're turning to Psalm 67, two outcomes I'd like to have for our time together this morning. Uh, one is... My desire, my prayer, is that our time together here this morning, that you would walk away from here better able to pray a prayer like this psalm for the nations. That would increase your knowledge of what God is doing among the nations, and you'd pray in a better way for what God is accomplishing among the nations. Secondly, uh, I would like to, uh, an outcome that we're looking forward to, is that as a result of our time together, you would look not only at this psalm in a different way, but you would look at the nations in a different way. That You would look at the nations. And as this psalm penetrates your heart and your soul, that you would not only ask what's going on, but what's my part? How do I fit into this? What kind of changes do I make in my life as a result of this psalm and what God wants to accomplish here. So two outcomes, one that you would pray differently as a result of it, and one that the the word of God would penetrate your heart and you would think about your part in what God is doing among the nations. Can we stand together and read? I will read this. Um, You follow along uh, as I read this psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his name shine upon us so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you. God, may all of the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the people with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the people praise you. God, may all the peoples praise you. The land will yield its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this uh, psalm that is so, in a sense, simple and yet so complex in what you want to accomplish around the nations, around the world, around the globe. Thank you for our time together this morning in your word. May Jesus Christ be uplifted through our time together. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen, thank you. Please be seated. As we look at this globe, as we look at this, um, what God is doing among the nations, this um, psalm is really rooted in God's covenant to Abraham. Remember, the Abrahamic covenant Uh, Genesis 11, Genesis 12, God comes to Abraham and he said to him, may God be gracious to, uh, um, he said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and I'll make your name great so that in you all the families on earth will be blessed. The Abrahamic covenant. God gave to Abraham the Abrahamic covenant and said, I want to bless you so that 
you can turn around and be a blessing. And so this isn't just some psalm that David kind of pinned out and irrelevant to what's going on or history, but this was part of God's covenant. And you see there in the first verse, just like the Abrahamic covenant is to be a blessing to Israel so they can be a blessing to the nations, look at those first two verses. Make God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine to us. What's that? So that, purpose, so that, purpose cause, your ways may be known throughout the earth, your salvation among all nations. And over and over again we see from Genesis all the way to Revelation, God's desire to bless us that we might turn around and be a blessing. Let's have a little quiz here this morning. Is, is that kind of how you see things, a little quiz here this morning? I want you to, I want you to uh, finish a verse. I'm going to start it. You finish it. Uh, loud, strong. Here we go. Be still and... Be still and know that I am God. And talks about God's blessing on us. How God wants to bless us. How God wants to, uh, has a desire uh, that we be still and recognize who he is. Do you realize none of you did what I asked you to do? None of you finished that verse. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. It talks about God's blessing to us so that we can be a blessing on the earth. And so often we can look at the scriptures about where's God blessing me in this and forget that there's another part of it that he wants to bless the nations, that he wants everyone to come to him. So this isn't just some random psalm, but it's rooted throughout the scripture historically. And not only Old Testament, then you come to the New Testament, it's decisively fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Wants the nations to know Jesus Christ paid the penalty, died on the cross, so they could know salvation. It's not finished. Still a lot to do. We still have work to do. But it's decisively fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Not finished. We still have. That's, that's where we come in. Beyond that, um, Jesus Christ started opportunities to continue it. And here on into the 21st century, we have opportunity to minister and reach out to the nations because of it. Um, Christ has started um, fulfilling what started with God's desire among the, at the Abrahamic covenant. And now in the 21st century, we can continue. And that is God's purpose for the world. And his purpose of the world is right here in these Psalms to be known, to be praised, to enjoyed, and to be feared. Uh, notice this. Um, if he is to be known, praised, enjoyed, and feared, how do we do that? How, how can we bring the nations to that? And, and World Venture, we're saying, you know, missions, when I went out of mission, as a missionary, it was church planting, it was evangelism. That was how we, in a sense, touch people. How much of your life does a church touch your people? Maybe three, four hours a week, daily, maybe an hour or so as you're in your personal quiet time. But let me ask you, how much of your life is touched by science, by medicine? How much of your life is touched by business, by your job? 40, 50, 60 hours a week? Uh, by the media. It's commute to work, the media, you got the radio turned on, you come home, watch the news, media, uh, government, uh, of course, the family and arts. Uh, all these things touch our lives on a regular basis. And we're saying, 
how can we bring God an influence and impact for the cause of Christ in all of these areas, in all of these areas? For example, China. Uh, China uh, has a billion, 300 million some people. How many people in America? 300 million. 300 million. China has a billion, 300 million. Get the difference? A billion? Um, 300. So how do we reach China? How do we bring the gospel to those people? Well, I met a businessman um, went to China, started a glass factory. He has a factory where he makes thermal pane windows. So if you have a thermal pane front door sandwiched in, or, or cut glass, cut glass sandwiched in thermal pane on your front door, if you have side lights on the side of your, uh, of your front door with uh, stained glass that's thermal pane, uh, stained glass or Tiffany lamps, uh, he makes them in his factory. But his factory is one of the largest churches in Shaman. One of the largest churches. And they meet from 8 to 5 every day. Five days a week. Um, and so in China, you can't have a public meeting. But after everybody's clocked in, they meet for Bible study. And the rest of the day, this guy goes around the factory, discipling, encouraging. How's your walk with the Lord? I understand your wife has... What, what's going on with your, your life these days? with all these people, and he's just discipling and training and equipping all these people. He, he was telling me one time, he was walking down the road and um, street, and he saw a beggar on a pallet. This beggar was on his pallet, kind of crippled, and, and he had his little can there in front of him, and, and he took his card out, and he threw his card into his can, and he said, you ought to go see this guy, and he kept on walking. Two days later, this uh, beggar on the street comes into his office in his little crippled-up wheelchair, and, and he puts his card on his uh, desk and says, can I get a job? And uh, so he calls in all of his department heads. Now, he's the only American, all the rest are Chinese. He calls all of his department heads, can we hire this guy? Immediate response was, well, of course, hire him. They immediately started, hired him. They brought in physical therapists, and they gave him physical therapy, and they started to get his arms moving, got his legs moving. They got him to standing up, and they got him to, to move around a little bit. Then they brought in occupational therapists, and they built him a little calculator for his little withered-up arm and, and uh, began giving him occupational therapy. Today, this guy is their CFO, overseeing all their inventory and their finances from a beggar on the street. To his. But what's exciting is that this guy is their greatest evangelist because he realized the difference that God has made in his life. And now he has a family. He has a job. He can stand up straight. Uh, he has a life because of Jesus Christ. And he thinks everybody ought to know Jesus. And when a new hire comes in, in fact, 95% of the new hires come to Christ within their first five days on the job. Let's go to China. Listen if to you go to a business thing. school, they'll say that the purpose of business is to increase the value of the shareholders. I think it's a little short-sighted. It makes more sense that business is creating eternal value. China is playing catch-up in the world marketplace. When I was here studying language in 87, the laws changed allowing foreigners to have their own businesses. So I guess we kind of just slid in to a really small window of opportunity. The Lord is a tangible part of what we do. The ministry is right in the daily work itself. 
It's not that 8 to 5 is like a drag so I can get to the really important stuff at 6 o'clock at night. It's like 8 to 5, that's when I'm with all these people. We, we have this time together. We got so much we can do together. That's where the action is. What value is there in bringing an intern to work with us? In a case like Adriel, we're getting a huge value, both from what he's learned and what he's picked up experience-wise. Um, we also have a boost from what he is doing in supporting our spiritual emphasis. He's chosen to live among uh, our workers in an area that's not as comfortable as a lot of others, and that's been a big, a big plus. The best things that I learned from Bill Job are from watching and walking with him. Back in college, studying a degree called Manufacturing Supply Chain Management, which is an integration of business and engineering. I can do that at Microsoft, I can do that at Starbucks, I can do that wherever, yet I would be in a cubicle looking at a wall, working on a computer. Here I get the experience of learning how to manage people as well as do it in a kingdom mindset. Um, so the reason I'm here is to see how that, my degree, integrates with business and integrates with faith. True business really should have an eternal component to it. The issue that we want to look at is not the money part of it. The money is a small part. The main thing is the relational part. And so we pay attention to our hearts. Handicapped people who are on the street begging for most of their life, we're able to give them jobs. Uh, they find a new life in Christ. They find a family. 我的名字叫姓王明海森。因为一般的时候，我自我介绍的时候，我就是。I used to be a beggar and I had no family. One day, Bill saw me and helped me work in his factory. I got to know Jesus with the help of our boss. The company invites people to give lectures about interpersonal relationships and management of money and marriage, which gives us more knowledge. I really appreciate it. Love is everywhere in the company. For at least five years, we were praying for the local orphanage. They've allowed us to hire and train and place teachers in their facility to help them handle a difficult job. If we weren't a company, we couldn't do that. Business is demanding, and it tests you every day. So if I'm going to be a Christian on Sunday morning, and I'm not going to be it during the week, that's a huge cut. They just don't make sense. Hopefully I get to move westward um, towards somewhere in Central Asia uh, and start up one of these things and see what it looks like there. It's a lifestyle and it will be a lifestyle. Sharing what we've seen happen here is a little bit like the Lord just doing some neat things for us and I'm really happy for people to come and look if they see Him. But if they just see us doing something interesting or neat, uh, I think we've missed the story. Um, but when they see him, then they go home and they realize, you know, I didn't hear anything that couldn't happen here. And I think that's really what the Lord has up his sleeve. Did you see anything that couldn't happen here? that Jesus Christ, that God would be known among the nations. Good to have some uh, people from Japan here. We have some missionaries in Japan. And um, 
in Japan, of course, uh, the culture, the, uh, the ancestry and, and, and the worship. And, and so in the midst of Shintoism and Buddhism, how do our missionaries get involved? How do they train? How do they get involved? Well, it wasn't too long ago that um, in the midst of uh, the Japanese culture, uh, this uh, Sisters Act, which is black gospel uh, movie. Uh, do you remember that? Have you seen the Sisters Act, black gospel movie? Went through, not only here, but went through Japan, went worldwide. And the people of Japan seemed to really enjoy that black gospel type of music. And so one of our missionaries said, whoa, uh, okay. So he put together choirs, uh, choirs of people that could go and sing, and he taught them how to sing black gospel. And so he would train them, he would equip them. Um, they would come together, then they'd go on tour, they'd go on concert and uh, sing uh, Praises to the Lord. Let's listen to this. singing, Jesus has rescued me, and as he goes to these choirs, uh, or as he, they go on tour, he has opportunity to preach to the audience, but many of these have not known Christ, and he preaches to the choir as well, and sees them coming to the Lord. He always brings uh, 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 somebody from usually southern L.A. that comes in and does the chanting as they normally do, but what a way to... Rejoice and bring the rejoicing of our Lord Jesus Christ to, uh, uh, to that culture and, and using something that is enjoyable to them. Um, South America, uh, just another way of reaching the nations. Uh, South America, very poor. Bolivia, the poorest country in South America. Um, tremendous amount of poverty, tremendous amount of, of abuse of children and street kids. And in the midst of that... Uh, some of our missionaries went to a, an orphanage and saw that in the orphanage they had no beds. They were all laying on blankets on, on the floor, no beds. So he thought about this and he got a hold of some people in the United States and found a carpenter and brought this carpenter down and they started building beds for these children in the orphanage. But as they looked around, they realized, well, here are all these street kids on the street, teenagers with no purpose in life. So they invited these street kids in and taught them how to make furniture. At the same time, they're building furniture for these orphanages, reaching out to, uh, to those around them with the love of Christ. Uh, one of the missionaries that was down in Bolivia was a, an art major. She said, how do I use my art to bring glory to God? How do I use my art major? And she was doodling, and, and her husband encouraged her, and, and she realized she was good at drawing purses and, and designing purses. She was a designer. She liked designing clothes and so she went down to the street, uh, to the seamstresses, and took the materials and said, would you make some of these purses? And so she got the seamstress employed 
making purses. Then she went to the boutique owners and built relationships with them to sell the purses. And so here she has a ministry to the seamstresses that are building the purses, and she has a ministry to the boutique owners who are selling the purposes, the purses, and she has a ministry to two uh, ends of town. And uh, exciting work using the gifts that God has given her as God uniquely created her. Absolutely fascinating. Um, in uh, uh, Mozambique, uh, Lancaster County, a uh, lot of farms, a lot of chickens, uh, this area of, of, um, of the country. You know, it's only in America where a pastor can be univocational. The rest of the world, for the most part, a pastor has to have a job, provide for his family, and uh, ministering is on the side. And so in Mozambique, it was that same kind of scenario. But these guys would get out of seminary, and they were broke, and they had school debt, and they didn't have a job. And so as this missionary uh, started working with his church in uh, Southern California, the church came up with startup capital, and he went out and started building some chicken houses and got these guys, the seminary guys, building chicken houses. And he started teaching them how to take care of chickens and how to to, uh, market the eggs. And as a result of that, uh, these guys um, now walk out of seminary with no debt, and they also walk out with startup capital, and they go up to the Muslim north part of Mozambique where they will open up a chicken farm. And they'll put together some chickens and they'll, they'll start a chicken farm and people will come them, to them to get eggs and they'll walk away with Jesus Christ. And God has been glorified. And God is working in, in even a situation uh, like that. Uh, in uh, Madagascar, uh, a, a doctor from, uh, uh, from Alaska as I coached him and worked with him. Um, he is down now in Madagascar um, helping with the medical needs, but at the same time helping with the spiritual needs and, and helping um, in the very midst of a very difficult situation. Uh, and again, bringing Christ to the nations, sharing Christ among the nations. Absolutely fascinating what God... So God's desire, his aim is to be known not only as the true and living God... Um, there's no other gods. It's not like in this psalm he says, you know, I'm just one of many gods or uh, I want to be known on the earth as a god. But he is the only true living God. And we're living in a day when Islam is, is pushed all over. In fact, even in our own area, Islam is pushed. And, and, uh, and yet in the midst of that, we're seeing tremendous open doors in the midst of um, uh, I wish I had another video, you can find it on YouTube, called Saving Madiam. Saving Madiam. Um, it's a YouTube video put out by the Muslims of Indonesia because they're saying, the Christians are taking over. We have been the, the, nation, the world's largest Muslim country, Indonesia, the largest Muslim country, and the Muslims have now put out a video saying, we need money from you Muslims because we're losing. The Christians are taking over. I think score. God is reigning in, in Indonesia, and Muslims are losing their hold as being the largest Muslim country, and the church is taking over. Exciting what God is doing there. But in the midst of that, good news, we have found that in the southern part of Indonesia, island nations, island countries, where there are 10, count them, 10 zero-engaged people groups, 
Zero engaged means they have no pastors. They have no Bible. They have no missionaries. They have no Christian radio. They have no Christian TV. They have no opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ and have not for generations. One of these uh, groups is um, a group of sea gypsies. They live on the sea. And these sea gypsies, how do we reach them for Christ? And yet in the midst of this, we are seeing, as we have moved into this area, the first of these zero-engaged people groups coming to Christ. God is opening up some doors in southern Indonesia, island nations, generations without ever having heard even the name of Jesus today are coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so, one, God wants to meet. He is the only God. It's not Allah. It's, there's, there's all kinds of gods that are being put out there. Uh, God is the only living, true God. But also, God wants the nations to know that he is a God of justice. That he's a God of justice. There is only one way to salvation. There aren't multiple plans. God didn't have another idea up his sleeve, just in case this doesn't work, you know, why uh, I've got another plan. He wants to make it known. And in Uganda, interesting thing has happened. Uh, In Uganda, uh, AIDS was on the increase, and it has turned around. And I remember being there with a group of uh, university students, and one of our missionaries was retiring, and he was telling us a story how when he arrived in Uganda as a fledgling missionary, He didn't see himself as a church planter, so he found four teenage boys and led them to Christ. Just four boys led them to Christ. And he started discipling these guys. Started discipling, just meeting with them on a regular basis. Then, of course, you know, if Idi Amin came on the scene and there was ethnic cleansing and mass murders and and killing and persecution um, with Idi Amin for, for years, tremendous difficulty. And this missionary had 15 minutes to grab some pictures off the wall, grab his kids, run the airport, and evacuate the country. And he was gone for 10 years. And in the midst of that 10 years, uh, Idi Amin reigned and ruled and, and, uh, um, and then was finally deposed. And 10 years later, these boys called this missionary who was now pastoring a church in Northern California. He said, would you come back and keep discipling us? He said, well, I'm pastoring a church right now. I don't, don't know how that's going to work, but let me see. And so um, he talked to church. They let him go. He went back and picked up with these boys in discipling them. Now through college, university, on into their life's work. So here at this, uh, at this uh, retirement party, in walks the Surgeon General of the country of Uganda. A Surgeon General had just returned from Japan on a World Congress on AIDS. He was the keynote speaker on this World Congress on AIDS. And the question was asked, how did you turn AIDS around? How is it Uganda got AIDS turned around? And here were surgeon generals, medical people from literally all over the world meeting in Japan uh, at this World Congress on AIDS. And um, his message to the medical people there, how do we turn AIDS around? One, it's all about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he shared the gospel. Secondly, it's all about engaging the church in people's lives for accountability and relationships. And, And three... It's all about abstinence. And that's how we turn AIDS around. And they would say, but we can't say that in our country. He said, well, that's what we did. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about engaging the church. And it's all about abstinence. And this is a boy that was led to Christ 
as a teenager, discipled literally all of his life, today the Surgeon General, and has turned AIDS around in the country of Uganda because one missionary was faithful to disciple one boy. Second guy that walked into that, uh, into that retirement party was the Supreme Court Justice of Uganda. Supreme Court Justice. And he was telling us that he, his desire as Supreme, Supreme Court of the land to be the Supreme Court Justice is to rule from the Scripture and not from precedence. And he was a boy who was led to Christ and discipled literally all of his life, a Supreme Court Justice in the country of Uganda. One of the other boys is, um, is now president of one of the largest seminaries, the, the major seminary in Uganda. And the fourth boy is pastor of the largest church in Kampala, capital of Uganda. Four boys. And this missionary said, you know, I never really accomplished much for Christ. You know, I never really built big churches, never... He just discipled four guys, led them to Christ, and literally spent the rest of his life pouring into their life and literally turned a country around because of his faithfulness. God is faithful. And not only is he a, uh, a God of justice, but he wants to be known in sovereign power. He, I mean, comes on the scene, and, and, and we have leaders that come on and think that they uh, are in control, and God is still sovereign among the nations. And we see that uh, even in here. Uh, I remember uh, taking Justin on a short-term mission trip. Uh, he went to Uganda. He was one of these that went to Uganda with me. And uh, uh, I got him into all kinds of different situations. And today, uh, he is back in Ivory Coast. He's now in Ivory Coast with his wife. Uh, he's been through seminary leadership training. His wife is a nurse and, uh, in medical ministry, having a tremendous ministry. And God is using them. Uh, because of their faithfulness. Another guy in North Africa that I had the privilege of working with, uh, in the midst of uh, his parents going through tremendous persecution in Morocco because of their faith in Christ, um, these two are back there on a, on a regular basis, both through correspondence course, through radio ministry, uh, having an impact in North Africa, and exciting to see what God is doing in the midst uh, of the Muslim um, North Africa, because of people like this, we've had the privilege uh, of having a, a part in their life. And finally, God's aim is to, to be known as a gracious God. You know, he's, he's just, but he's also gracious. He has provided a way of salvation that all might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, that all might come to know him. Um, he wants none to perish, but it all would come to repentance. I think of China. And how, remember, we said there's a billion more people in China than there are here. Hudson Taylor went to China, uh, and for years he worked in China, and he brought literally hundreds of missionaries to China. Then, of course, you know the story. In 1949, Mao Zedong came on. Um, again, ethnic cleansing. 30 years, Mao Zedong the church. Very difficult time. Very hard for the, the Christians. And the Christians went underground. Today... When we went back in, after 30 years of persecution by Mao Zedong and, and the communistic um, reformation, we found that there are as many Christians in China as the total population of America. There are as many Christians in China as the total population of America. 300 million people in America. There's 300 million Christians in China. But there's still a billion to reach. There's still a billion that have not been reached by Jesus Christ. So tremendous opportunities uh, there in China. To close this up, 
You're blessed to be a blessing. Interesting enough, this, if you go down to the, to the last uh, verses of this um, psalm, uh, it says, May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then, listen to this, then the land will yield its harvest and our God will bless us. This is a harvest psalm. This is a psalm of harvest. It's a psalm of reaping. It's a psalm of of blessing that comes. And it's talking about financial blessing. The harvest, that the wheat is going to be blessed by God, that that the harvest is going to be good, that you are going to be financially blessed. But in the midst of saying you are blessed in a financial way, you are to be a blessing in a spiritual way to the nations. God has given you a blessing that you might be a blessing to others. Uh, And a double blessing, not only by the the bountiful harvest, the funds that you have, the ability that you have, but also by going, by giving, a double blessing. Our passion is to see Christ presented among the nations, that the glory of the gospel would go among the nations, and that we would see God um, around the nations I said there were two things I wanted to accomplish during our time. That you would pray differently as a result of our time together for the nations. But not only that you would pray differently, but that the words of this psalm would penetrate your heart. And as a result of that, you might think, what's my part? How should I be giving, going, involved in what God is doing literally around the globe? We've given you a taste this morning of some of the things that God is doing in different places around the world. My desire is that you grab a hold of that and you say, what's my part? How do I fit into this picture? Where's my part in that picture? What's God doing in my life? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the psalmist and the way he put this together that you want to be known, you want to be praised, uh, you want to be um, enjoyed, and you want to be feared throughout the nations. Thank you. And Father, I pray as this church, this body has been a part of that literally all over the world through the people that they have sent, the monies that have gone out from here. And Father, I pray that you would, not only as a body, but individually, you would continue continue to work in our life, that we might say, what's my part? How do I fit in this picture? Where do I go? What do I do? How can you use me that Jesus Christ would be uplifted? In his name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.